Hey, welcome back. It's the Tony D Podcast brought to you by Flooring is Forever, flooringisforever.com and the UPS Store in Fishers. Happy holidays to you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Congrats to all the state football champions that were crowned last Friday and Saturday inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Derek Schultz, my guest on the podcast this week. We're going to talk all things Purdue from the Hoops team being ranked inside of the top five to the big game on Saturday from Lucas Oil Stadium between the Michigan Wolverines and the Purdue Boilermakers for the Big Ten Championship uh, will project where we see Purdue and their bowl game coming up here over the next month or so. We're also going to look at what the Pacers are doing. Andrew Nimhard with that dagger of a three in LeBron James's face on Tuesday night to cap off that 17-point comeback to knock off the Lakers. Yes, they followed up with a, a dud the following night for the Sacramento Kings. But, you know, this is a team that's going to be up and down. We talked about this earlier in the season and before the season. There's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of bad basketball. But there's also going to be a lot of good and a lot of upside. So I, I've really enjoyed watching the Pacers so far this season. Uh, so Derek Schultz is going to join us. Looking forward to that conversation as well. The UPS Store and Fishers off of Olea Road has everything that you need to pack and ship all of your holiday presents this holiday season. Check out their packing and shipping experts with their pack and ship guarantee today at the UPS Store in Fishers off of Olea Road right there just outside of Guys, All right, let's bring him in. Derek Schultz. At Schultz975, uh, excited to have you on. I know there's so much to talk about. Uh, we can start wherever you'd like, man, but but so happy you're on the show here. Yeah, man, I was thrilled when you reached out, so I'm excited for my first uh, uh, voyage here on the Tony D Podcast. <laughs> well, you know, you, you have the old cup of Schultzy, which we can pour whatever we want to pour in there. Let's start with... <laughs> I guess the Colts, right? Let's we'll get them out of the way. This this has been a really confusing season, I think. And you know, I understand the Jeff Saturday move, right? You want to keep the fan base kind of invested. You want to maybe see if he has a future. I don't personally think as the head coach. I think maybe as the GM. Um, up and down team. Matt Ryan benched. Matt Ryan back. Seems like this team is very good at playing up to its competition but also likes to play down in the competition. Although looking back at that commander's game, it's like, okay, well, Washington's kind of been hot. Uh, what have you made of this Colts team uh, so far a little bit half, a little bit more than halfway through the season? Yeah, I would say that in the time that I've been around the team, just given the circumstances around this year's squad in particular, I think it's the most, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic or anything, Tony. I, I think it's the most disappointing season in the 20 yeah. years that I've been around the Colts. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, a lot of people would be screaming, well, 2011, look, when Manning had the third neck surgery and was going to be out, you knew that he was going to be out for like 90%, if not the entire season, you knew what that entailed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you yep. knew what you were signing up for when Andrew Luck was out for 2017 um, and then retired right before 2019. You kind of knew what those seasons were going to be. This season, there is no built-in excuse. They just stink. There, there's just no other way around it. And not only do they stink, they're not particularly watchable. Like, yeah. if you're going to be bad, at least be fun. You know, the lines are bad, but they put up a bunch of points, and they're kind of fun. Colts aren't fun at all. Um, yeah, I, I would rather be doing anything than watch the Colts kind of labor through uh, some of these beautiful fall afternoons that we've had in September and October. So it, it sucks that we're here with this team. But in a way, I, I think if you're going to look at it from a, a glass half full standpoint, I, I think this just kind of shows that it's time to move on to something else. You tried to kind of keep the ball in the air 
and rebuild on the fly. It, it reminds me a lot of the Pacers situation with where they were, where they kept trying to go, okay, well, this is fine. Let's, let's bring in Brogdon and, and okay. Yeah, this is fine. Let's, let's, uh, let's keep Sabonis and then keep Turner together. And then let's go with TJ Warren. And then, you know, they, they kept trying to kind of shift the chairs around, but yeah. knew that the product was going to be re- remaining the same. And, and that's what the Colts have done. Essentially a quarterback, like they, they've convinced themselves that they're close. And this year is showing them that they're not close. <laughs> they're, they're not close at all to contending. And so let's rip the bandaid off and, and kind of move forward with 2023 and beyond on the mind. So I do think that if, if we're trying to be optimistic and trying to look at this glass half full, that's a good way to do it. But really in, in the present and in the now, it's just, it's not a good football team that's heading for probably like a, a six ish win season and a nine, 10, 11, somewhere in that range level draft pick. You make a really good point, Derek, uh, from both the Colts and the Pacers standpoint, uh, Pacers are, are small market in the NBA. I don't really know if people want to look at, you know, an NFL franchise as a small market, uh, but it seems like the Pacers there for a while were really good at like, hey, we're going to be the seventh or eighth seed, and we're going to pick in the seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth spot in the NBA draft, and really not move forward. But we don't want to tank. The Colts. I know. Look, you know this. I know this. Everybody listening knows that Jim Mercy just wants to win football games. The guy, I would say, and not that I've seen a lot of their owners but I would say probably cares about winning more than almost any owner in the entire league um, is that a small market type thing though right like it seems like these quarterbacks have just been plug and play and just band-aids you know a small band-aid over a really large wound that's not going to do you any good in the now or in the future yeah see I don't, I don't think the market size necessarily plays into it when it comes to the NFL because yeah look at the success that the Packers have had and even the Saints have won a Super Bowl. Look at the success that the Colts have had. I mean, for the most part, um, for the last 25 to 30 years, really until the last couple, and uh, you'd have to stretch out in the pre-Payton era before they they really kind of lost their way there. So I think market affects NBA much more than it does NFL, but it's just, it's the continuing Band-Aid, as you said, at the quarterback situation. And the strange thing to me, Tony, is the individual player regression that we've seen, like, Ryan Kelly two years ago was a good player. What happened? Yeah. What happened to Braden Smith? Quentin Nelson, you kind of know because he's been through umpteen surgeries and he's been banged up. So maybe you give him a little bit of a pass or, or at least you can find a reason for that. But those are three of your core pieces around this offensive line that in 19 and 20 was one of the better units in the league and it's completely fallen apart. And I think a lot of the Colts problems start there, start with the O-line and because they can't protect and because they can't block or really do anything, that affects Ryan, who clearly is over the hill and, and doesn't have the arm talent that he once had or even the accuracy and the timing. I mean, a lot of that stuff has gone away, as it usually does quickly for a lot of these quarterbacks, even really good ones like Ryan. And the receivers don't have enough time to create separation. A guy like Alec Pierce, who's a get-up, and uh, throw-the-ball-up-and-get-it kind of guy, he only works if you're going to have plays that develop down the field and they can't they have no vertical passing attack because they can't protect for very long and Ryan can't even throw it 10 yards so it's just kind of the O-line is the domino effect that I think has knocked everything over but just this offense in general is really bad and and this is a year where there are a lot of really bad offenses so to be a bad offense in a year like this one is I think particularly damning um, to be scoring 14 16 17 I mean, tw- 21 points, Tony, is like some like un- impossible bar for this team. They've, they've <laughs> scored more than 20 twice all year. 
and it's December. I mean, I Peyton Manning rolled out of bed and scored 21 points in the first quarter of those offenses. So it's extremely frustrating. Let's wrap it up on the Colts with Derek Schultz at Schultz975 on Twitter. Uh, put you on a spot here. Week one, next year, September, who's the starting quarterback and who is the head football coach of this Indianapolis Colts team? Uh, not Matt Ryan and not Jeff Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that's that? great. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, like I, I, I know Sean Payton is going to take draft compensation. I, I just – Sean Payton's not going to come into a, a situation when there's not an already established quarterback. Why would you? You're Sean Payton. Yeah. You've got a ring. You, you, you wait around for something that's more ready built. Uh, I know about your report with – if you want to call it a report, I, I don't know what you're calling it. Um, but what you said about Jim Harbaugh, um, that's one that certainly would make sense given his Colts ties, given the fact that even when he's had wild success, he's been willing to leave places. Like look at last year where he had a flirtation with the Vikings and he didn't last very long at Stanford and uh, with the Niners and, and all of that. So I, I think for somebody that has been as transient as he's been, I think that that would make sense. Um, outside of that, like who's the hot coordinator hire? I don't know. You know, I, I haven't even yeah. begun to dive into that. I, I do know that I don't, I don't think Saturday was ever seriously considered the long-term head coaching candidate. I, I think Ursay hired him to get his foot in the door for a front office role. I think yeah, that's I, the motive. Yeah. I, I that's, think that's where I'm at, on, I'm yeah. at on that too. And, and about the whole Harbaugh thing. I mean, look, he's in town. They're going to, they're going to have discussions. You know, Jim's going to have Jim Mercer is going to have interest in talking to him about that. And, you know, just what, what I was kind of told in the, in the, in the secret side of how they brought it, it just was a little odd to me. Um, you know, it is what it is. So I think Harbaugh is going to be the head coach next year. I guess I wouldn't be shocked, but I would be more surprised if he was and I was if he wasn't. So um, who knows? And who knows if that is even the fix and if, if that's something that they're going to really consider. But, um, yeah, I mean, just 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 another bad year for the Colts and another year wasted for Jonathan Taylor, which is you know really unfortunate because this has been one of the best running running backs we've seen come through here in quite some time. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Even his player regression hasn't been what it was the other guys, and notably on the offensive line. And I think we knew that he wasn't just going to back up last season and, and do it again. You know, yeah. last season was ridiculous. But but even Taylor for the has not had a great season. The fumbling issues have have come back a little bit, and I don't know what happened on that exchange in the Monday night game, but it, it kind of changed the complexion of that third quarter where Colts were about to go on a twenty-one nothing scoring run, and and. Um, ended up turning the ball over as they're known to do in key spots. But, you know, even Taylor, you're looking at this team and outside of maybe the two interior defensive linemen in Stewart and Buckner, I don't know if you can point to anybody, maybe Stephen Gilmore or Stephon Gilmore. I don't yeah. think you can point to anybody that you say, yeah, you know what? They've had a really great season and there's not a lot to critique. Um, there, there's something to critique virtually from everybody, even the frontline players on this team. Agreed there. All right, let's go across town. Well, I guess across downtown to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, we've kind of been waiting for them to, for lack of a better term, draft right. Like get get some guys in here that are going to be able to make impacts. And I think, you know, I know Duarte's been banged up, but but Matherin has been great. Um, this is a fun team to watch. Like you said about the Colts. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna suck or you're gonna tank or whatever, at least be fun to watch. This Col this Pacer team is not sucking and they are not tanking and they certainly are fun to watch. They're never out of it. Um, it's certainly the complete opposite. 365 is what we see out of the Colts this year so far. Yeah, no question. Um, and, and who would have thought that going in, right? I mean, I, yeah. I thought 
I saw the Vegas over under was 24 and a half. And I, I really thought this was going to be like a 20 something win basketball team. Um, and it's been incredible to <laughs> see how quickly Matherin has made an impact. And God, you know, Andrew Nemhard at Gonzaga was like their, he was like their seventh guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I just remember kind of when they drafted him, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like he'll be, he'll be TJ McConnell. Like he'll be the, like the backup point guard of the future. And he's a much better player than a backup point guard already. And then, um, and you, you've got the remaining core of Isaiah Jackson and uh, Tyrese Halliburton's taking his game to a whole new level. So it's great. It's, it's great to see this plan come to fruition. And I know Tony, you were on board with this too. Um, not that it makes me feel validated or anything like that, but for the people like you and me who are banging on the drum for this to happen two years ago yeah, and this idea that, well, the Pacers can't rip it up and rebuild because then nobody will go. Well, that's not true. People will go if you give them hope <laughs> and a reason to yeah. watch. And this team is hope and a reason to watch. You know, when, when they're fighting for the play-in round, or they're the five seed getting swept by the upper tier Eastern teams. That's not hope. That's, you know, that's not a reason to kind of stick around. There was just, there was so much malaise about the Pacers. So it's incredible to think where they've gone essentially in 11 months, because this whole thing started in like the second week of January of 2022. And I think we all have to hit the fast forward button, really pound the fast forward button on our preconceived notions about what this rebuild was going to entail for this team with, with how good they look already. Yeah. And I kind of looked at the season and just thought, you know, they're going to be fun. They're going to, they're going to gel together. It's going to take a year or two tickets are going to be cheap, have some fun with it. Sure. Um, and, and, but yeah, it's been great. I mean, I've been to a couple games. It's you, you, as you and I both know you, if you, if you're a family man, like you are, or, you know, you, you go with your buddies, like I do, it's, it's, it's good fun. There's no better, basketball arena in the country to watch a game at. So uh, I've been certainly impressed. Um, I, I, I've been impressed by the growth so far. I'll ask you this, because this is always the rumors mills that come in. And this is always, you know, when, when, when guys are on the last end of their contracts, what do you do with Miles Turner and Buddy Heal? These guys are playing well together. Everybody has seemed to kind of started to gel, to gel together, um, play well together and form a chemistry is that something where you ride it out the remainder of the year and then hope maybe you can sign Miles back? Um, or is this something where you feel they absolutely have to trade him because you can't take that risk that he walks away uh, next summer and you get nothing for him? Yeah, I think what you have to do is if you are serious about extending Miles Turner, then you have to get that ball rolling right now. And if it becomes apparent that either he's not interested or he's got a number that's way out of line with the number that you've got, then you've got to move on. Um, you you can't, you absolutely can't lose them for nothing because I don't care what anybody says about this year. Look, the Pacers aren't going to win the NBA title this year. Pacers aren't going to the finals this year. Pacers aren't going to the conference finals this year. Mm -hmm. So you can't have as, as fun as the season has been so far, you can't have 22, 23 on your mind at all. You have to be thinking, how do we make this team? If you're Kevin Pritchard and Chad, how do we make this team better for 24, 25, uh, so on and so forth. So Buddy, I'm I'm a little less worried about because he's still under contract. Even though you know that that carriage can turn into a pumpkin at any time once the the shots stop falling for him. But Miles fascinates me, Tony, because I don't know about you. 
I've never been able to get a read on him. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. He, he says one thing and then he says the other thing, like, uh, does he want to be here? Do the Pacers want him here? Like this is a relationship that has always felt like it was heading for divorce and it was inevitable. And now he's playing at this level and it's an entirely new team around him. So I'm starting to think to myself, well, wait a minute, have the circumstances changed enough to convince Turner that he wants to be here long-term and that the Pacers want to be here, uh, have him here long-term. So I, I don't really know what to think. I'm not trying to cop out on the answer, but um, I, I do know that you can't risk losing him for nothing. So if you, if you can't get something done by the trade deadline, then you absolutely have to move on. Here's the thing with Miles, and, and, and this is just kind of how it's gone too. And I'm not going to say Sabonis because I, I thought – I still think Sabonis is a bona fide superstar, but you know, you see this all the time. Miles will get traded and yeah, he's playing out of his mind right now, but he'll, he'll take his game to the next level on a contending team. You know, where does he fit at? Is that maybe a Denver? Is it a Portland? Is it the Lakers? Is it somewhere out West? Maybe Dallas. Um, But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you you, you have to, you have to just say, look, we we can't take this chance where you walk for nothing and we're sitting here picking up the pieces um, but 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 I'm with you. I, I really love this team so far this year. You know, look, they're out west right now. There's going to be a point, right? It could come in December. It could come in January where it's it's hard to watch basketball, right? They're going to go through more learning, uh, learning progress, learning changes. They're going to go through times where they look like crap, and they're going to go through times where they look really good, which is pretty much summed up that Laker game the other night, um, which they won on that game winner coming back. But it's a fun team to watch, and I certainly hope people get out and continue to support the Pacers. Derek Schultz is with us. We're talking uh, pretty much anything uh, when it comes to Indianapolis and Indiana sports. we got a lot of college basketball to talk about, but a big weekend. I know you follow the Purdue program. The Boilermakers playing in the Big Ten championship game against Michigan. And a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, they're already down 14 points. This is going to be a blowout, you know, 59 to 10, something along the lines of that. But first and foremost – for somebody like you and I who have followed this Purdue football team for a very long time in, in, in the Brahm era, this is pretty cool and pretty special. This has happened because you think about, you know, and, and I know one division's better than the other and you can say what you want, but nonetheless, Purdue's playing in the big 10 championship. That's something we haven't been able to say in a very long time. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it's a program that has won one big 10 championship and that was through a three-way tiebreaker in 55 years. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> of course it's a big deal. Um, do I think they're going to beat Michigan? No. Um, If I were ranking the Big Ten teams right now, Purdue would be fourth um, at best. And and that's the way that it goes with the divisions that that there are. And and Purdue has no control over that. They just got to go out and win the games that are in front of them. So I think it's a a huge accomplishment for the program to be on this stage. It'll help recruiting. Um, And it is the ultimate happy to be their house money game. Yeah. If you win, it's one of the biggest wins in the program's modern history. If you lose, who cares? Yeah. Everyone is expecting you to lose. So I-, I think you can go out there and play completely loose and not have to worry about it on Saturday night. And, y- and you'll have a, you know, just because it's here in Indianapolis, I think people think it's going to be like some heavy Purdue crowd. Um, you know, Michigan's got a national fan base and it's, it's just up the road and they're yeah. going to be really excited because – uh, you know, uh, last year was the first year in it, but this year it feels like they've got legitimate national title hopes. And um, and I know they made the playoff last year, but it, it just everything around the program feels different now that they've done it again against Ohio State. So, um, but I but I think it'll be you know sixty forty probably. Yeah, and you'll have a you'll have a good amount of Purdue fans there. But um, it's good progress to also off of last year. You know, you had nine wins and you went to and and you won the Music City Bowl against Tennessee and you want to 
you want to back that up. You don't, you don't want to go backwards. And so to have the chance now to put together back-to-back nine-win seasons, um, go back to possibly the Citrus Bowl, I think, is their decision yeah. should they lose this game and, and win that. Um, that'd be another step forward for Purdue. And I, I mean, look, it's great, especially, you know, there's always that rivalry, right? Like no matter if it's basketball or football, you know, Purdue football taking the next step, IU, uh, a struggle there. What what have been your thoughts on Tom Allen and, and just kind of uh, what has gone on with the Hoosier football program over the last, I'd say, year or two? I was hoping that he could get it back to I, – I, I think we all kind of knew that 2020 – was probably not the level that Indiana was going to stay at. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 19 was a great season, too. And, and 19, they didn't beat a lot of good teams that year, but they had a good season. They should have won the Gator Bowl against Tennessee that year and, and fell short. Um, I was hoping they were going to get back to, like, the 2015 to 19 level Indiana where you're fighting for six wins in the pinstripe bowl. Like, that. that's a perfect world, I think, for Indiana to live in. I'm, I'm cool with that. Beat Rutgers, beat Maryland, have a chance against Purdue. Maybe don't get off, get blown off the field ball. Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan, and um, and win six games and go to a bowl and, and hopefully win one. Like that's that's not a very high bar. That shouldn't be difficult no. <laughs> to do. And, and Indiana makes it so difficult. So, you know, the Tom Allen stuff with the pregame speeches, like I, I think a lot of it is is pretty cringe. If we're, if we're being no, totally yes, honest. yes, um, but. You know, he's a, he's a good guy. Clearly, there has been progress under his watch. The problem is, is that you can't just get it somewhere and then have it go backwards. Like, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of kind of what happened with Crean, where at by the end of the Crean tenure, you kept saying, okay, well, he brought it here, and, and the program was here when he took over. Well, who cares? Where is it going? That's, that's what I want to know. I don't, I don't care where it's been. I don't care about 19 and 20 anymore. That's ancient history. Where is this program now going forward? And and that's where I think they're starting to um, to lose sight there down in Bloomington. Speaking of moving forward in Bloomington and Purdue, a uh, big week for both IU and Purdue basketball over the weekend. You know, I, I think you got to look back real quick at last weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, and what happened with Purdue and the stars aligning to where they have, you know, not I'm not going to say a shoe-in, but they have a, a, a straight shot into the Big Ten championship game by beating IU – they beat IU. They get the loss on Friday that they needed. Purdue basketball team uh, in that tournament gets the win. IU's looking incredible. They look like a Final Four team, I would say, for the first time since probably, you know, the Cody Zeller, Victor Oladipo era. Uh, who has impressed you the most so far college basketball-wise between IU and Purdue? Well, I think what's impressed me the most is Purdue because they lost four starters, including yeah. a top-five NBA pick. And in the first two weeks of the season, they've taken down, you know, say what you want is, is Duke as good as advertised as Gonzaga. I, I don't care. Those are two of the best programs of the last 20 years. I mean, Duke even goes farther than that um, to, to beat that collection of talent and beat them soundly, like pound them into the ground, even in a November tournament um, is extremely impressive. And Zach Eady's ascension now to one of the best players and probably the best big man in America um, and then, you know, Purdue just doing what they do. They just plug in guys that fit and say what you want about Matt Painter. And I, I know the, the March um, success has not come since being so close to the final four in 2019. They've had some disappointing results there since, but you plug in Fletcher lawyer and he fits, you plug in Braden Smith and he fits. Ethan Morton is the classic, like garbage pail. 
our, our lunch pail, whatever, whatever the cliche is guy um, for this team. And then you, and you just throw in a bunch of guys that don't care about who gets what, like Brandon Newman could have gone anywhere and probably scored like 20 points per game. And he decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Purdue. I'm going to red shirt a year and I'm going to come in and be an off the bench guy. And he excels at that. And I, I just think there's something to say for what Matt Painter has done there where everybody just kind of fits and knows what their role is and, and they just uh, do it at a really high level. What Purdue's going to have to do is, is not peak in November and December like they did last year. Um, and, you know, remember they went out to, I think it was Hartford and they beat, I think they beat North Carolina. They beat Villanova, I think was the other one maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, like, I, don't get me wrong. They had a nice season and, and all of that, but um, it never really felt like they, they, they got to number one and then they never really got back there or even got within shouting distance of getting there. And they lost um, the, the very next game. Did they yeah. Have? Rutgers. Yeah. The Rutgers buzzer. On the, uh, on so the buzzer, they, they, need, yeah. they need to sustain it. Um, as far as Indiana is concerned, I, I think, the reason why I think Indiana might be better than advertised is because we've done this before with IU's freshmen, right? Where guys come in and we're like, oh, yeah, like Hunter Perea is going to just change things for you know, <laughs> Jeremy Hollowell. Remember, like all these guys that have come in that have been even Langford. Um, is there any more of an expectation than what IU basketball fans put on IU basketball uh, players before the season? I mean, uh, it's, above yeah, anything. It's yeah. It's Cubs and it's IU basketball. Christian Lander, man, remember he was five star. He he reclassified, and and you watch him play, and you're like, this guy. Yeah. Um. No offense to Christian Lander, but uh, with Renew and and um and Huchifino was terrific the other night against um last night I guess against North Carolina. Um, I think that raises their ceiling because that's what I was worried about with them was okay they've got Trace Jackson Davis, but do they have guys that can you know, compliment him at a really high level. And, and now you're adding, they, they have more depth than they've had for a, a long time. Um, what I worry about with them is um, the three point shooting. It's great that they're so, they're so good defensively and they're so good inside the arc. But um, when you get into a single elimination tournament, you need to be able to do that at a high level and, and shoot threes a lot. And um, they, they've been so affected, you know, the, the Ken Palm offensive efficiencies top 15. So I, I'm not knocking it, but, um, they need to at, at least show that shooting a three, I think, is is more in their repertoire than what they've shown so far. It's a strong 25 minutes right there with our friend Derek Schultz. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what are you working on moving forward, and where, and pe where can people find uh, find your work at it? Yeah, so uh, still got the Indie Monthly stuff going. Querying Schultz with Jake um, once a week. And, your buddy, your um, best friend. Yeah, that's right, BFFs. <laughs> um, I'm actually um, joining the IBJ as a uh, bi-monthly sports columnist. Okay. So All me right. and Mark, Congratulations. And Mark Monteith. Yeah. So we'll be doing that. So um, my first piece is actually next week. I don't think they've announced anything yet. I, I was hoping for like a press conference. Breaking news. Breaking news right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then um, just full-time job wise, um, I'm, I'm actually starting at Purdue on Monday. So that oh. would be, yeah. Well, tell us more about that if you don't mind. Yeah. So um, the media relations department on the university side at Purdue had an opening um, that they passed along to me a couple of weeks ago. During 2020, I interviewed for a job there um, like six, seven months after the radio layoff, that, a job that I was completely unqualified for, and I think they felt bad for me. <laughs> so um, I interviewed there, and uh, and they were like, hey, you know, we'll, we'll keep your information, and you know this, and I know this. We've been dumped by girls dozens of times, and they say, you know, we're, we're going to stay friends, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah. that's just what shit people say. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they came back and said, Hey, you know, we've got this listing and your name came up and, um, 
Nice. And I'm ex- I'm excited about it, man. This is what I've been wanting to do for a while. Make that shift into like PR, media relations, communications, and um, it's just something more stable, you know. Um, yeah. Where you don't have to worry about waking up the next day and Purdue University is not going to exist anymore, like my yeah. radio job. Yeah, that's that's, um, that's true. Yeah, so that's a much nicer world to be in. So yeah, so the freelance <laughs> stuff all kind of remains the same, and I'll, I'll scratch the sports media itch with that, but um. I'm looking for I'll be 40 in February. So I'm I'm kind of the, the timing of this career change couldn't be better for me. Does this mean you're moving out of out of Midtown? No, it's it's all remote. Um, oh good. So I'll have to go up there for press conferences and, and things like that. Um and I'll, you know, obviously I'll be up on campus more than I, I usually have been. But um a lot of my day-to-day responsibilities I can do from home and um in Teams meetings and <laughs> yeah and all of that. So it, it works great with my family schedule because um i've got a kindergartner and um and ashley works overnights at methodist so our schedule is really wonky so it, it worked out Derek schultz thanks so much man uh have a great holiday season and we'll stay in touch you too brother thanks all right a big thanks to Derek schultz and congratulations on the new gig up at purdue uh, we know he'll do great things there's so much to take away from that conversation the fun we're having watching the pacers the not so much fun we're having watching the colts um, you know, Jim Mersey, Jim Harbaugh going to meet this week. Obviously, old pals, a lot of good times together. I don't think as Derek Schultz does, and I talked to JMB about this as well, we don't think that Jeff Saturday is going to be the head coach next year, but certainly we'll have the opportunity to maybe take a GM type of role. Um, I don't see Ballard coming back. I think we've talked about this um, at length. Big thanks, as always, to the UPS store in Fishers off of Oleo Road. Just outside of Geist, they have everything you need this holiday season. Use their pack and shipping experts with their pack and ship guarantee. Get your gifts and holiday packages sent properly and safely at the UPS store. UPS store in Fishers off of Oleo Road. We thank you for their support. Doug and the gang up there at that store do a great job. Also, don't forget to download this new app that I've been working with. It's called the Fans Place app. It's local here to Indianapolis. You can answer questions on upcoming games to win money. Uh, you can also go, It's a lot of these contests are free to play in. You can also check in at bars that use this app and uh, have a chance to watch some games and win gift cards to that establishment. So super cool. Please check it out. Uh, it's the Fans Place app. You can download it today. We'll have another Tony D contest coming up this weekend, I think with the Big Ten Championship game, and a lot of stuff going on with the World Cup inside of that app as well. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I got to go to Butler the other day. First time back at Hinkle in a very long time. Uh, I think I went to one game last year. Good to see them win. Again, big week of college hoops especially surrounding the teams in the state of Indiana and here locally, uh, Indiana State, a big win. IU, huge win over North Carolina. I definitely think that they are a Final Four team. They have the balance. They have the depth. And as Derek Schultz talked about, you know, if they could just get that three-point shooting down, which is what you absolutely have to have in a single elimination tournament, uh, I could see IU uh, going to Houston for the 2023 upcoming NCAA Final Four. All right, enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the Tony D Podcast.